Hi there. You're listening to the Parent App Podcast by Focus on the Family Singapore. While there are no perfect families, every relationship can turn the corner. Hello and welcome to the Paranet Podcast. My name is June Yong and I'm your host for this episode. In each episode of the Paranet Podcast, we'll be tackling questions that parents are asking about family life, parenting, marriage, work life and more. We'll be speaking with everyday parents and practitioners as they share with us their experience and practical ideas. We hope that you will keep tuning in to learn with us and to grow in your journey as parents. Did you know that research shows that whenever we praise effort over results, it actually helps to build a healthy identity in our children? When we praise results, we sow into a performance-based value in them. However, when we praise effort, our kids grow to appreciate the value of the learning process. So whatever we choose to praise, we actually give it a platform to blossom and grow. Now, to help us understand a little more about this topic today, we have two special guests, Mark and Sue Lim. They are the authors of parenting blog, Parenting on Purpose, and they are also consultants on the social factor, which focuses on training and teaching holistic self-development. Welcome to the Paranet Podcast, Mark and Sue, and thank you for taking the time to join us today. Thanks for having us, June. Yes, thank you. Okay, let's delve into what praise does first. When someone is praised for something, the reward system, the striatum, is actually activated. Can you tell us more about this and what happens to the brain when we receive praise? When there's um, praise, what happens is that you feel good, right? And so when you feel good, then you would want to do more of what you think is good, right? So that's probably how this entire uh, theory goes about. So how does our praise influence what our children come to value? Is it that they get rewarded because they hear our affirming words and therefore they want to do more? What actually goes behind the scenes in our children's heads? I see it as a reinforcement, right? Psychology always talks about the reinforcement theory where if you want to encourage good behaviour, you would uh, do an action that would promote something that is positive. So in this sense, when a child does something that you feel is to be positive and you praise the child, then the child feels that, uh, oh, this is great. And then the child might want to do more of it. So that's how I see it as a reward reinforcement. So praise serves as like an affirmation, as an encouragement to the child to continue doing what is perceived to be good behaviour. Sue, do you have any thoughts to add on this as well? One of the love languages is words of affirmation. I think we do the test to to see uh, which love language we have or our children have, but Everyone thrives on praise. Yeah, and I mean, even if it's not your top love language, if somebody affirms you or praises you, I think it's linked to self-concept and self-worth, which is also a basic human need. And so it meets that need in our children. It also helps to form their identity uh, and uh, their self-esteem too. So when we praise, although it's a very like simple, you know, words that we use or perhaps an action like a pat on the back, right? It actually has a deep and meaningful impact on the child. As you mentioned, Sue, it affects how they perceive themselves, how they value themselves as well. How does this praise actually work together with a growth mindset? People often say that, yeah, you should praise the effort, focus on the work that the child has put in and not just on the marks they receive at the end. How does these two actually link? 
Yeah, uh, maybe I'll share a bit about this because I'm a homeschool mom. Now, our two boys whom I'm homeschooling at the primary level, they both have dyslexia. My older boy, he is a perfectionist. He sets a very high standard on himself. It's not necessarily imposed by us. But I've realized from a very young age, he was very focused himself on getting full marks or, you know, doing something perfectly. Even when he writes letters, he wants to make sure the letters are perfectly written according to his standard. I have really countered this with the whole growth mindset theory. And, and I think the theory behind the growth mindset is that we are always growing. We are always learning and nobody is perfect he likes to play soccer, so I've used that as an analogy. I said that, you know, soccer players, even no matter how talented they are, they don't start out being a champ during a match. And so it takes a lot of hard work and effort. We slowly over time tried to shift his focus from just the result itself to how much effort he put in along the way, the specific skills that he can grow in in school or in sports. And I think that helps him to have less pressure on himself to really have that idea that I can grow in whatever I'm working on, whether I'm good at it or not. As a teacher, as a, as a lecturer, sometimes it's always like the results tend to be like your final product or like an assessment of who you are. And that is not always the case, right? Because um, actually, if we look at educational pedagogy, you have a particular uh, task and then you are assessed on that task. Yeah, but if the task is too difficult, the child might actually feel that he or she is not good enough. So when we actually focus on the results, we could create a sense of the self-concept and the team. It could affect the sense of self-esteem. And that's why I feel that the focus should be more on how much the child does and to continue to affirm the child rather than the results, which then is an indictment of how poorly the child performed. That's on the assumption that the results were not good. Or even if the child did something well in the results and the child wants to push on, then it's a different mindset. It's looking towards achievement as compared to sense of who you are as a person. Yeah, and this interesting theory I came across, which is teaching to a, a level of success. Again, the other analogy we have is that, you know, if we're really bad at cooking and somebody, you know, gives us a cooking class like with a top chef and we attend the class and like we feel so stressed like chopping the onions or whatever and in the end, you know, all we get is a big mess. I mean, are we likely to sign up for another cooking class? No, right? Yeah, and so as adults, even when we learn a new skill, whether it's paragliding or roller skating or whatever, we are less likely to try if we feel like we're really failures at it. Yeah, and so how much more mm. a child who, let's say, has been failing in math and all this, the parents keep saying is, how come you're not getting an A? And the child doesn't know how to go from point A to point B to get there. Mm. Yeah, and so, you know, as parents, setting up very specific goals for our kids to reach, achievable goals, things that we know that they will be able to achieve from where they are at that present moment, I think it will help with a lot with motivation because nobody really wants to try something that you know you're going to fail right away as well. I want to share a story yeah. when I was a teacher in secondary school. Ever so often, we meet the parents and then we talk to the parents about how the child did and so on and so forth. So I always remember this one parent who came to me and said, Mr. Lim, uh, you're very interesting because you're the only teacher who talks about how good my child is and the strengths of my child. And you don't say, you know, which is the area that he needs to improve or which what his weaknesses and what to do and all that. Then I realized, hey, that is true because when we look at the strengths-based approach, when we look at the child's strengths and then we work from there, I, I think that is, I would say, a preferable way to look at that we look at the weaknesses. I mean, of course, weaknesses um, can always be improved. But if the child has a low sense of self-esteem, 
and the child feels mm. that the weaknesses are so overwhelming and that the strengths are not there to help the child prop him or her up, then that could be an issue. So I've always uh, believed in a strengths-based approach, which means you encourage, you affirm what is good and get the child to actually continue and to perform in that area. Yeah, actually, sometimes you'll be surprised when you find the child's strength and every child has a strength. It's not true. Like some children, like they really are good for nothing. That's not true. I think as parents, it's our job to find the child's strength. And when you tap on those strengths and grow those strengths, you'll be surprised. Sometimes their weaknesses will level up too. And you find that very much in therapy too. When you tap on the child's area of strength, somehow the speech will grow, the motor skills will develop. And so praise is actually, I think as you mentioned earlier, a lot more powerful than we even can comprehend the effect Mm. that it can have on our children's motivation and development and so on. So we conduct a number of workshops for parents, for schools. I mean, I always share with them this particular quote from Albert Einstein that says that, uh, well, if you try to uh, get uh, the fish... Uh, to climb a tree, the fish would think that he's stupid, right? <laughs> Similarly, if you get a monkey to uh, swim, the monkey would live the whole life thinking that uh, he's dumb, right? So fish are meant to swim, monkeys are meant to climb trees. And if you grow our kids mm. in areas of strengths, um, there's no limit on where they can go. Wow, that's a lot of food for thought indeed. I think you guys have shared a lot, you know, we've moved from soccer to finding out our kids' strengths. Let's move on to discuss a little bit from a parent's point of view, how we often parent the way we are parented, right? And sometimes it's quite hard to change our focus. We often get very critical when we see certain things not being done to a certain standard that we believe the child can actually perform at. So how do we reframe this for ourselves and to help ourselves not to focus so narrowly on the things that they lack, on their weaknesses, for example. You know, you mentioned about your parent-teacher meeting, right? How do we really shift our lens from noticing all the gaps to noticing the strengths and the improvement that our child has shown? From that perspective, my two boys have taught me a lot. Because mm-hmm. I, I come from an educator's point of view. I was teaching in a good school. <laughs> yeah, the kids are expected to do extremely well for their PSLE and move on to a, a good secondary school. So I really had to orientate when I found that my two boys' strengths were very differently inclined from the typical academic skills. They're mm-hmm. good at things that uh, Mark and I are not necessarily so good at, like music and sports and so on. I mean, we are so bad with our ball skills but you know like they can ace them as well I I think it's really not coming with your own presuppositions I know it's very hard but Mm. I have really developed a different view of like assessment like Mark said earlier you know what is assessment it is to test what we know and what we don't know to inform us so that we can be better learners and we know what we need to know and how to get there. And so that's very different from like setting a very high bar that the child cannot reach and definitely will feel that. So we're not trying to trip the children up, but we are really trying to make them aware so that they develop a sense that, oh, as a learner, I can learn anything. It's a very different mindset from, oh, I'm surely going to fail the next math test. It's more Mm. like, okay, I did badly. So do I need to improve in my fractions or decimals or area and perimeter? What area is it? When we praise, we focus on the Mm. specific. We say, hey, you know, you aced your decimal section, but I noticed that you need more help with another section of math. With this mindset, it really helps the child to know what to focus on. Because when I was a counsellor, a lot of the times they'll say, you know, I know the teacher told me I have to improve in my math but I don't know what I'm supposed to be doing. Uh, breaking down some of these big concepts and big problems into something that's more manageable for them, right? Yeah, and we praise 
what they are good at within the specific areas. I think uh, there's something that says that praise should be very specific. When you praise a child very specifically, they learn to zoom in on like what is important and what they should be focusing on rather than just a flat statement like, oh, you're so smart. I mean, does that do the child any good? Not really, right? <laughs> or you can say, wow, I noticed that you were not very good in this area, but you are being more careful with your work now. And then the child knows what to focus on after that. I was going to share two areas. Firstly, just to back up a little bit of what you said, that sometimes when we parent our children, we tend to go to certain patterns. Many of these are family of origin issues, which means to say that if we were parented in this particular way, if our we had a strict father or a strict mother, tiger mom, <laughs> or something like that, we could possibly adopt that mindset, the kind of thing that, oh, this is how I was taught. Uh, therefore, I should teach my kids in a similar way. But society has changed. The world has changed. <laughs> so I, I think that it's important for us to realize that and to recognize that. So if we can identify why are we doing what we're doing, then we might have a better understanding. Say, Aha, it's because uh, my parent did this to me or my teacher or there were some roots in the past. We can identify that and then we say, but our kids are different. And then we can move on from that. Yeah, so that's the area of the family of origin that Councils often look at. <laughs> the other area you also ask, how can you be specific in terms of helping our children to identify their strengths and not to focus on weaknesses? One thing is that's important for all of us parents to do is to take a step back and to observe our children just to see where they are. For instance, I, for our kids, I know my older son does soccer. You just give him a ball. <laughs> He'll just do all kinds of things to it. So rather than discourage him from that because it may detract from his schoolwork, I would say we'll spend time to develop his skills in soccer, right? And to go for mm. competitions and things like that. And if our younger mm. son just started sailing, it was hard at the start because he said it's too difficult, I don't want to do it. But when I saw his eyes when he, when he was out in the ocean with the wind you know, blowing by his face, and that was really beautiful. And now he says, oh, I can't wait for sailing to start again. And it's just to mm. continue interest them in their areas of strength or interest and just to continue encouraging them. I really like that example because I can totally relate to it. I have a child who really enjoys rugby and then his elder brother, he really enjoys hockey and kayaking. You know, I, I have this burning question, right? So as a mother, I think it's, it's really great that we can support them in their interests. As you mentioned, they have a strength, they have an interest, we should do all we can to support them. So how do we actually balance this? the amount of time and energy spent on, let's say, a sport versus, you know, the academic side. Because we also don't want it to be lopsided, right? We want, you know, a good balance, a healthy balance. So, yeah, really, how do we balance these priorities? Yeah, I suppose we homeschool, so our children do have the luxury of a bit more time. Um, but I have heard from our friends whose children are in mainstream schools, that it gets tougher as the children grow older because the demands are there, the time they spend in school and, you know, uh, after that with classes and so on after school. It's hard for me to speak from a point of view of a parent whose child is in that system. I would think that I would still be able to cast the academics in a positive light in the sense that there is always something to learn. In, mm -hmm. in science, there is a beauty in how the scientific principles work in the world. I mean, and the same for math. I think, again, it is not being fixated on the result itself, but really just your general growth as a person, as a learner. And I think parents really need to emulate that. I remember a homeschool mom saying, yeah, the mom also learning something new, picking something up, or the dad, trying something that you haven't tried before and not being so like, I, I'm perfect in it, but really like, oh, I'm also struggling even as I learn this new skill. And so mm -hmm. the parent 
need to model the growth mindset as well. Yeah, it's quite mm-hmm. funny because last week, you know, my son, I was telling him something naughty I did when I was small. He said, Mommy, you're so perfect. You mean you actually did something wrong? <laughs> yeah, and I realized, yeah, that's how we try to appear to them, right? You, you all are the ones who are like doing the wrong thing all the time. But I think if we model that we are learning something, we struggle, we make mistakes, we also fail, and then we bounce back up again. I think that's a very powerful way to model the growth mindset for them too. It's a very powerful way, but also possibly the harder way, right? As parents ourselves to actually master it and to, you know, be vulnerable enough to show all these weaknesses and struggles to our children. Yeah. Easy. Mm. Parenting was easy. (laughs) (laughs) That's why they say it's a walk in the park, right? Jurassic Park, that is. (laughs) Dinosaurs. Yeah, everything is colossal, right? Yeah, you know, time is really catching up on us. I wanted to pick up on what Sue mentioned earlier. If we ever label our children, it should be using positive labels. And I think you mentioned about, wow, you were really careful in this situation. I think that was really good, you know, how you called that out in your son and encouraged him to actually show more of this trait, whether it's a paper that he has to do, a test that he has to go through. I wonder if you could share a little bit more about this using uh, positive labels and to actually call out the good in our children. Yeah, I was going to uh, first say that we have never called our children good boy or bad boy. Or naughty. <laughs> or naughty. So we, we said, mm. okay, that's bad behavior, right? Not that you are a bad child, which makes a big difference because if you are, it's you who's bad, that is your identity. But with the behavior, then behavior can be changed. So in this sense, to be specific, so like, for example, if, um, yeah, I'll say that, wow, you have a lovely color palette. I, I like your sense. You chose uh, warm colors for the trees and it gives the painting a beautiful look. So things like that to be very specific. So you identify certain key words you might want to use and just encourage them using the positives. For us, we prioritize character above all else. And so sometimes it can even be something like, oh, you know, I, I noticed just now you were really, really mad with your friend. Yeah, but I could mm-hmm. see that you showed self-control. I guess we praise what we value. This is what is important to our family and so we look out for it. I mean, we have a little foster toddler at the moment. So even for him, I was just, because I couldn't remember how to handle kids at the age, even, you know, for a toddler, praise him for not like throwing his milk bottle on the floor for that particular time. And when he's like throwing nine out of 10 times, praise him for the one time that he didn't throw it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I know it can, it sounds <laughs> Yes, but it's working. <laughs> we've, we've tried it out. It's and amazing more... that we can start as young as possible, right? Like even a toddler. <laughs> so this it's doesn't amazing. just apply to like primary school kids. No. Yeah. I really like how you took back to the topic. You said we praise what we value. And the title of this podcast is actually supposed to be Our Children Grow to Value What We Praise. So indeed, it is a kind of a circular process here that we are speaking about that we really want to focus on the things that are truly important to us as a family and that will really serve our children well as they grow up, not coming to see themselves as just a kind of a performer, kind of a result achiever, but really so much more than that. So I really enjoyed our conversation today, Mark and Sue. Thank you for sharing all your stories and analogies and tips. Now, do you have any parting words to actually share and leave with our listeners? For me, I'll just say believe in your child. I think if you help to, your child to grow in his or her areas of strengths, you really never know how far he or she can go. Hmm. Wise words. 
think adding on to your summary just now, I was just thinking about the word resilience. What happens if we praise our children just for the results is we set them up actually for not being able to handle failure. And the reality in life is that we will have to face failure. We will have to learn how to deal with times that we fail. And so when we praise effort instead, like the founder of KFC, you know, he went to so many people with his recipe. But yeah, again and again, all the closed doors until finally, you know, he found success. And so that's what we really want for our kids in this world that they live in, you know, as they grow up, just to know that, yeah, the effort counts. Yeah, and one day I will get there. But until I do, you know, it's okay to fail, to fall down and, and get up again. Again, I think that's another thought about why praising effort is so important and crucial in the times that they live in. Thank you so much for that, Mark and Sue. Yeah, indeed, praising our children for the effort not just helps them to be motivated learners and to have a good attitude towards learning and towards life. It also helps them to overcome failure. Like you said, we'll definitely face failures and setbacks in our lifelong journey. So thank you so much for sharing with us today. I really appreciate you for taking the time for all those who are tuning in we hope that you have learned something beneficial and practical that you can take away from this session so go home and do practice all the tips as we have shared to help encourage your child to keep growing it is indeed a lifelong journey that they are on so remember that it may take a while to unlearn and relearn certain habits so don't give up keep applying the growth mindset to yourself for more parenting resources do visit our website at family.org.sg and keep tuning in to our podcast so until next time see you again bye